Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. This week, we are going to be reviewing two games. We are going to be looking at Stuffed Fables. Well, I'll be looking at Stuffed Fables. I'm the one who played it. And then we are going to be reviewing one of our anticipated games, which is Darwin's Journey. And then in the discussion topic, we are going to offer our unsolicited opinion about the Golden Geek Awards (laughs) this year. So we're going to take a look at them, and we're just going to tell you who we think should win in some of the categories. And just kind of give you our opinions on about some of the games in there. Uh, before we get into any sort of reviews, Natasha's going to talk about some mini reviews, I guess, because she has been doing more escape rooms, and she keeps telling me that I should do some of these. So let's hear about these escape rooms you've been doing. Yeah, I keep letting you borrow them, and then you don't sit there and play them. They just sit at your house. You need to play them. Listen, they're on the list. I'll get to them eventually. All right, so we picked up Escape the Room. We did Mystery at the Stargazer's Mansion. Or, sorry, Mystery at the Stargazer's Manor. And then the other Escape the Room, Secret of Dr. Gravely's Retreat. Um, so they're just escape room games that you can buy. Uh, and they all come in, they come in a little box. They're a little bit more expensive than the um, exit games, but they're kind of like the same system where they have that decoder disc they use. Uh, the box says they play three to eight players, which... I think is completely wrong. First of all, you don't need a minimum of three players at all. You could play this by yourself. Um, In fact, I would recommend it at one or two, I think is great. I think even three might be a little too many people at the table because it is just a escape room style game. So it's got a few pieces in the box and you got to like work out these puzzles. But other than that being completely wrong, I really liked the, uh, the game. I think it was a quite a bit simpler than the exit games. So if you like the exit games or you find them a little too challenging, a little, a little too obtuse, I guess, these are a little bit more straightforward. It's pretty easy to figure out the puzzles. We we really didn't need to use the hints at all. Um, and and they're, they're a little bit more pricey, but the components are really good. It's really qu- good quality and you can reuse it. You don't actually use up anything in the box. So you it even has instructions on the website, like how to box it all back up together. So it's everything's in the right package. But I like the system of it. I, I like the puzzles. I think they're they're. I would recommend doing it. I would recommend picking them up uh, and doing one with your kid. I think they're 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 pretty kid friendly. Like, you know, they're pretty easy to figure out. Like their whole system is very similar. Um, it felt every puzzle follows a very similar pattern, you know, where you have to find the, the four different uh, symbols and then match it up on the disc. And then if you get it right, you can open that package. It's it's pretty good. I, I liked it quite a bit. That's the Escape the Room games. Where would you rank them with the other games? Like, where does it sit with uh, the other systems in, in place? I don't think they're as clever as as like the Exit and Unlock games. They're, they're simpler. So I, I think it depends on, you know, I can't say that they're better. I think their components are better. I like that you don't destroy anything. You can reuse it. You can re-gift it to somebody else. You can let somebody else have it, borrow it. You know, you can just let all your friends borrow it if you want. You could resell it, whatever you want. Um, so I like that. I think that's better quality. But yeah, they're not as clever. But I kind of like the, I like the puzzles that are, okay, I got to figure out how to do this, but I know what I need to do. That's what I really struggle a lot, especially with the unlock games is I'll look at this and I'll go, I don't even know what the next step is, let alone like how to solve it. And that's what kind of frustrates me a little bit on some of those more complex ones where this one, it's like, okay, I know exactly what I need to do. And it's just a matter of taking the pieces and like manipulating them or like, you know, kind of figuring out the puzzles are pretty simple. That's why I think it's, it'd be a good entry 
level one if you like if you're interested in escape room games but you think you don't want anything that's too obtuse and too complex so i i you know i can't say that they're better but they're just different so here's my question to you natasha because you you love these uh, escape room style games whether it be a lock unlock exit escape the room those types of Mm -hmm. things um, I don't recall seeing them on your like top 100 games of all time, just because it's it's hard to specifically narrow down one. Do you do exit systems? Do you do unlock systems? So if you just had to branch them all into one, like just uh-huh. put them into one thing, where do you think it would fall in your top 100? Would it be a top 10, you know, thing for you? The exit games in general, or like all escape room style games in general? Well, let's just say escape room style games in general. Okay, um, I would put it up there pretty high. I I enjoy them quite a bit. I would say like top thirty style games. Like I oh, okay. I like them a lot. Um, I exits are my favorite. I think they have the most, you know. And I like I like the system the best. Um, I'm getting better at them, so they're not quite as difficult. Like I can usually figure out the puzzles. I very rarely have to use the hints anymore, which is nice. I've gotten better at it. So, but but I like them all. I enjoy them all, and I enjoy the. I enjoy the simpler ones. I think the unlocks are probably my least favorite. I think some of the times are really clever, but I just get so stuck sometimes on those. Yeah. If you are interested in, in escape room style games, I would get box one first. I think that's a great first step one. And then these escape the room ones. And then then you could do like the exit and then unlock ones. And I have a few more I'm going to try yet too. I haven't done the undo and I haven't done the echoes and I've got a couple of those we're gonna do oh oh i also like um the holiday hijinks oh from grand gamers guild yeah because they're like little little packs of cards right yeah they're small they're like 20 packs of cards um they're they're simple they're not like high quality like the art and stuff isn't as good as a lot of these other games but they're just a deck of cards and you use the app the app kind of walks you through like what to do next and asks you questions they're pretty good too i like them well aren't there like deckscapes and like a bunch of there's just so many it's it's funny because you would think something like this would frustrate me because it's it it's a very similar to the roll and write genre where it just like the system was flooded, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many roll and writes that are coming around. But I'm not as frustrated with the exit or escape room style games because that is just as robust now as roll and writes are. Almost probably more so at this point. There's just so many of those coming out. Mm-hmm. that you would think I'd be, you know, like, ugh, I can't believe there's another escape room. And I think part of it is I just don't play them that often. Like, I bought that one thinking, like, yes, I'm going to do it. And it always, like, keeps getting pushed off to the side. You know, like, I, I keep staring at the box one that you gave me. And I'm like, I should really play that. Or I can play Revive. <laughs> or, I like Or <laughs> I can replay this, <laughs> you know? I like them because you play them once and then you get rid of them, whether you re- you throw them away or you resell them or you give them away. They're like they're not they don't stay in your collection. So like to me, they're like, all right, I got to get this done and it's out. I, I like that. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like it. But to me, I, I just like I like not keeping things. So, yeah, fair enough. Uh, let's get into some reviews, shall we? Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to just get on here and talk about Stuffed Fables. And this is a cooperative adventure book game. Designed by Jerry Hawthorne, art by Kristen Pauline and Trigus, and is published by Plaid Hat Games. So in this game, players take on the roles of stuffies trying to protect their beloved child from a scheming evil mastermind. They will be playing through a seven-story campaign 
trying to uncover the evil that lurks under the bed. And ultimately, players' decisions will affect how the story unfolds. So in this game, players will be taking turns until they complete the objective throughout the different stories. Each story will take place over several several pages in the adventure book. And in order for the stuffies to move forward to the next page, they will have to accomplish the objective on the page they're currently on. This could be simply defeating all the monsters in play. They could maybe have to complete a group task, a variety of different things. So each player on their turn will pull five dice from a bag, and they will use these dice to perform actions. There are going to be several different colors of dice, and each one has a specific function. So for example, white dice could give players extra stuffing, which is health points. Black dice are used to progress the monsters, so as you draw them, you place them on a track, and when they reach a certain number, either the story progresses in some way or the monsters attack. The other colors are red, which is used for melee attacks, green, which are used for ranged attacks or climbing obstacles. Yellow dice are used for searching, and purple dice are wild. So it is important to note that any color die can be used to move, but there are going to be obstacles in play that may require you to use a specific color of dice. Players will be using these dice to attack, move around the board, interact with the map to progress the story. So there are a variety of other things in the game, for, but for the most part, that's generally how the game is going to be played. They're going to be drawing dice and using the dice to interact with the map, and then each page on the storybook will have different objectives or different ways to advance to the next page. Eventually, once you get through a number of pages, you will have completed that portion of the story, and then you can move on to the next story in the campaign. So I think what makes this game, makes this game fun and interesting is the, the unique theme that it has. You know, it's fun. The characters are, you know, funny. You have Flops. You have Stitch. You know, you have Lumpy, which is an elephant. Um, it, in some ways, it kind of reminds me of, like, Toy Story. This is almost like Toy Story, the board game. Hmm. You get, you you know, you start off with a certain number of characters that you can play, and then you, you end up going into the storybook, and then you will find other characters like Lionel is a lion stuffy that has lost his paws so then you have to find his paws and then so he has different like paw weapons and stuff like that each page of the book is going to have like different obstacles or different ways to interact with it so it's always kind of doing some different things so i i played this with my wife and my daughter and we enjoyed it we enjoyed the campaign it took us a lot longer to do the campaign and that's for one specific reason each story within the campaign was long a lot longer than it needed to be. And granted, you know, playing with my daughter, you know, she didn't necessarily do like the optimal stuff. Like, okay, I'm going to do, you know, I know this is what we need to do. So I'm going to go do that. You know, she did the thing where like, oh, you know, my stuff, he's scared. So I'm going to go off to the corner or, you know, different things like that. So it didn't, it, it, it didn't help progress the story, but that's fine. Like she was, she was role playing her character how she wanted to, which honestly I'm cool with like, you do you. Mm-hmm. But the the problem we faced is it always got to the point where we're just like, okay, I think it's just one more page. And then it would become two. And you're like, oh, man. You know, I know at one point my daughter was like, can we take a break? Because it was just taking a long time. There were certain stories that we progressed through relatively quickly and other stories that we progressed through uh, very slowly. So was each story a game? Yes. So you there's seven seven stories in the campaign and you have like a little stack of cards for each story that um, you can use. And, and you basically are going to go through the entire book from start mm-hmm. to finish because each book is broken, like each page is broken down to part of the story. 
which I think is cool because then you have you you have the map. One one page is usually a map, and then the other page is just a bunch of text. So as you approach different areas, you could activate a text box trap where all of a sudden this thing happens, or you interact with the map because there will be little you know stars that you go to this this specific spot, and now you interact with the map. Something happens; it progresses the story. So those types of things were fun. So this is obviously a very kid theme. Is it a game for kids then? Yes, I believe. I I think it's a I think it's a kids game. Yes, I think it's going to be under that. I don't know if I would play it with adults. I if I'm going to play it with adults, like it would have to be a very specific group of people, a specific group of adults to play this mm-hmm. with. This is gonna. I bought this to play with my daughter, and you know my wife, and that's what we did. My son wasn't really interested in it. Um. So that's why I bought Forgotten Waters, so we can play that with him because he likes pirates. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of long for a kid's game. It sounds like it's too long for a kid's game then. If they shortened each story by a page, because I think each story was like four or five pages. If they shortened it down by one page each story, I think I think everything would progress much quicker. There was a mm-hmm. lot of things I liked about it. So you you pull dice and based on the dice you get to do stuff. So whenever you you know pull white dice. You roll them to add stuffing, which is your health points. But if if it matches the number or higher, you get stuffing. So if you have, let's say, two stuffing, you roll a two, you get an extra stuffing. And then the next time you can roll three. But if you pull multiple white dice, you can roll them together. So if you have like seven or eight stuffing, you can roll two dice and hopefully get an additional one. So I think that's cool. You When you pull the black dice out of the bag, they go onto the track net, and if there's minions in play, it'll, it'll kind of correspond with all the minions, and that's how they activate is when that track fills up. I think that's a cool concept. If there's not minions in play, there are like surge events, so as you fill it up based on the number of players, you'll get this surge, and then the book will tell you on that page what you do. Like maybe you generate an encounter, maybe you, you know, reveal a card, that sort of thing. And then the rest of the dice, you just use to take actions. Purple dice are wild. They can be used for anything. Pretty much every die you can use to, like, move. There are blue dice. I think I forgot to mention in the overview that are just kind of, uh, like, objective dice for the most part. So there's there's cool things you can do. And when you get weapons, equipment, that sort of thing, they could you could end up affecting dice rolls. So, for example, if I have... You know, rubber bands is my weapon. Every time I roll a green die to try to hit somebody, it would be plus one. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. If I, you know, Lumpy, which my daughter played, had a meat mallet, and every time she swung the meat mallet, she would get plus two or something to her dice. Those were those were fun little quirks. Like you would get a you'd get a button as a shield, you get a teapot as a as a helmet. You know, you can you can find a red wagon that, you know, is a party item that you can just throw a bunch of stuff in. Like there's some thematic pieces to it that I really liked. How long were the how long were each of the stories and how long did it take? Uh I think the most we spent on one story was two hours. Oh, that's way too long for a kid's game. Yeah, especially for an eight year old. That was yeah. a, it was longer than it needed to be. Some kids can sit for a while, but like most kids I mean, forty minutes is probably about max I wanna play for a kid's game. And that's with four players, so it needs to be shorter with less. <laughs> I think the fastest we went through one was like an hour and 15. Yeah. An hour, hour 15. Yeah. So that was the that was the biggest downfall. Lila loved it. She enjoyed it quite a bit, but she got bored. There was times where she got bored mm-hmm. because it just wasn't progressing or she wanted to do different things. And we were trying to like 
you know, nudge her towards progressing the game. And she would in some instances and other times she wouldn't, but like, it's still, it just, even as adults, Ashley and I, we were like, ah, man, this is just taking a lot longer than it needed to be. That said, the game was, the game was decent. I mean, if you got kids and you, you know, they like Toy Story, that idea of like stuffies trying to save the day. This is actually, I think the story is actually pretty interesting. If you've got kids that can sit through a longer game. Exactly. If you have kids that can sit, if you have, you know, Lila, um, my daughter, she, she's just, she's not going to sit through two hours. That's no. just not, not, she's just a little, she's a little too much energy for that. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, if you have kids that like that theme and you know they can sit down for it, this game's actually pretty good. Like I said, the story, while not necessarily reinventing anything or anything special, it was fun. It was interesting. It kept me engaged and made me want to know what was around the corner, you know, that sort of thing. But overall, I'm giving the game a six just because it was just it was just too long for me. It was just mm-hmm. too long, you know. And we talked about playing it again and in my head I was just like, ugh. That's how I felt. It was like, man, that's that's gonna be a slog. So you don't think you'll hold on to it to play with her like maybe in a few years when she's older? I think in a few years where she'll be past that game. That's my that that would that would be what I think. Yeah, it sounds like it's got like a kid theme, like a little kid theme. So it should be for little kids, you know? That's too bad that it's just too long. Yeah, and we so I ended up buying uh Cora Quest, which is the game that Dan Hughes and his daughter Cora, they they've done a bunch of content on like you know, the Dice Tower and stuff like that. They've reviewed games. Um, they came up with a game called mm-hmm. Cora Quest, which is a cooperative like dungeon crawl. Um, I recently picked that up. So that's my next step with Lila to kind of play that with her and sh- see what she thinks. But so, yeah, who's this game for? If you like I said, if you have kids who can sit for a decent period of time, I think overall the the, you know, rolling the dice and having to use that to activate different actions and stuff is interesting. You know, trying to find the different uh gear to gear up your thing the story i think all of it's pretty decent but you just really you need to have a kid that can that can sit for you know 90 minutes to two hours to play so yeah that is uh stuffed fables all right next up i want to talk about darwin's journey this is designed by simon luciani and nestor mangon the art is by paulo valto and it's published by thundergriff games so Darwin's Journey is a worker placement game that takes you that takes you with Charles Darwin on his journey through the Galapagos Islands. Players all start with four workers that they each have their own wax seal on them. There are four different types of wax seals in the game and many of the worker placement spots require a specific wax seal or a specific set of wax seals. So as you play the game and collect these wax seals, each of your workers then become more specialized and can start going to more uh, advanced spots on the board. So what are some of the things you can do on your turn? Well, there are four main actions that you'll be doing a lot. One is to collect more wax seals. That's pretty straightforward. Another is to move your ship through the Galapagos. This allows you to explore other islands. You also want to stay ahead of the beagle so that you can take advantage of the end of the round scoring. Another action is exploration. That's where your worker is going to move along the path on one of the islands. Uh, You get to whatever spot you stop at. You can discover a new species Um, that you can later bring to the museum. Or if you stop at a campsite, you can place one of your tents on the island, unlocking immediate bonus actions and extra perks that can be found on on your player board. Or it could be an immediate bonus, like a free action, coins, and wilds, which can be used to pay for requirements in order to perform an action that your worker doesn't have. 
The fourth action is mailing letters to your correspondents. You take these stamps from your player board and add them to one of the three letter spots on the board. At the end of the round, whoever has the most gets a special bonus, and the second most gets a slightly less bonus. You also get a bonus action if you remove a stack of stamps off your board. Another action you can do throughout the game is to bring your specimen to the museum. When you do that early in the game, you can earn a lot of money, and later in the game, it will help you move up the Theory of Evolution tracker, which is a multiplier for endgame scoring. There's also a few other things, like you can collect these objective tiles. Once fulfilled, they'll unlock special abilities or endgame scoring. Um, and then there's also various um, ad- additional action spaces on the board that, that you can unlock. So you can pay the cost to do that, and you can put your lens out on that spot. You get to take that action, but more importantly, now that spot is available for anyone to go to. And when other players go there, you get a coin from the bank. Those four main actions I spoke about earlier, you'll be unlocking better versions of those, but you will also be unlocking unique spots that vary game to game. So what I think makes this game fun is those is finding the combos. So they're not plentiful and you have to work for them, but oftentimes you can like, okay, I really want to maybe get my stamps out. So I could go to the stamp spot or I could go to the exploration and land on this tent, which lets me um put stamps out or maybe it lets me take this do this other thing which then lets me put stamps out so now i'm like putting my stamps out which i wanted to but also you know moving along this track so there's just there's a lot of different ways to do different the same thing and finding like the optimal way to do that thing you want to get done but also contribute to other things you want to do i think is where the fun of the game lies i agree there aren't as many combos as i would have expected out of this sort of game based on these designers because a lot of times these designers will have do this thing to get this thing which allows me to do this thing which gives me this thing and that is in this game Mm -hmm. but like you said it is not as prominent as in games past i'm going to struggle to give my full fledged opinion on this game i it's one of those games that we've we've played a handful of times and I'm still not 100% sure where it sits with me. I like it, but I also am just like, is there one strategy that's completely better than anything else? The first game we played of it, I struggled. I was trying, like, I was just trying to do too many things. I I wasn't accomplishing much. I lost. I was last place. Mm -hmm. Like, I wasn't even remotely close. So one of the things I worry about is the theory evolution track is this multiplier. And... my very first play, I was like, is this going to determine the winner? Is it all going to come down to this? And that first game, I was like, "Mm, it didn't, the person who was high up on it didn't win. But the next time we played, one of the players focused all his efforts on making sure he climbed that track. And at at that point, by the time we got to the end, I had lapped him in points. Or at least I was close. I wasn't 100, I don't think I completely lapped him, but I was really close to lapping him. Because he focused everything on getting that track. He didn't end up winning. He was within the like grouping of second place. Yes. There was like Bob Um, and then the rest of us. We were really close, excluding Bob. He was like 100 points ahead of us. Okay. That's the other thing that with this game that I think could be a a downfall is the last game you and I played, I scored like 205 points. And the next closest was like 130. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. And and throughout that second game, I was like, 
or throughout the throughout the last game, I was like, I don't feel like I'm doing better. But then I looked at my score and I did do a lot better than I had played the previous game. You know, it's just that you were doing so good. So I think, okay, this game is, it's very heavy. It's a little dry. Uh, I was drawn to it because I really like Darwin and the theory of evolution. I think that science is really interesting. Um, and that the, it's definitely his journey. It's not about um, the theory of evolution at all. It's really all about him going to out to these islands and, and doing things that, and the theme is very pasted on. It's not at all. It doesn't feel thematic to me. I think the artwork and the no, board is very like beautiful. I like it. Everything. I'm going to complain about it, but it, it it's very, I would say it's a heavy dry Euro. And it's one of those games that if you invest the time into it, you could get really good at it and learn it. And it, and it offers a lot of depth because there's so much variety game to game that just comes in the base game. Like it's a double sided board with different different tracks. That's cool. But also like the different uh, letters that you go to, that's that's um, unique each game. And then the, the different action spots like there, you'll be able to do things in some games that you can't even do in other games. So this is a game I think that if you like this style of game and you're willing to invest a lot of time into it. Not even a lot of time, but you're willing to like invest that learning and then playing it a few times. I think you you can get a lot of enjoyment out of this game. It's not one that you're going to get out once a year and casually play. Probably not. It's going to be one of those games that you will have people. This will be people's favorite game of all time and they're going to play the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. That's going to be that style of game. You know, same thing with like Grand Austria Hotel and. You know, voyages of Marco Polo. People, that's going to become a favorite, and people are going to play the heck out of it, and they're going to become very good and efficient at the game. I think this game is about efficiency and focusing on doing a few things. So, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about efficiency, and one of the biggest things with that is money is very tight in this game. So you have to figure out ways in order to generate income without specifically sending your workers to spots that give you income. And just, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, wasting a worker because you can unlock an additional worker, uh, you know, at some point. So that does help. But it also doesn't have any seals, which means it's it's limited to where it can go. And we'll get to the seals in a second. But you, you, you have to figure out how to do that. And one of the easiest ways to get money is by putting. Uh, by delivering those animals to the museum, because when you deliver those animals, especially near the beginning, you're just generating a ton of income. Right. Yeah. And it's when when it starts filling up, you start generating less and you start leaning more towards points And the game you and I played where I scored that that amount of points. I didn't care about that. I there was two things I wanted to accomplish. The two things was I wanted to race my boat as far forward as and as quickly as I possibly could, which helped me get on the different islands before other people. So then when I would take like actions to move my people i would land on spots that gave me money or i would be able to drop tents at spots that gave me money or whatever Mm -hmm. or i'd be able to put out letters that would give me money that's how i was generating my money very rarely did i i think i only sent one animal or two animals to the museum other than that the only time i ever went there was to just generate those theory of evolution you know points so i could actually get some end game scoring so you got to figure out how to generate money in the game like once you start, figure out how you're going to be make, getting money because you're going to need mm-hmm. it for everything. Yeah. Because it's one of those things that if you go to a spot occupied by somebody else, you can go there, but it costs you money. Yeah. And there's not enough spots. Like you have to go to places that people are at. Yeah. You're going to have to. And 
the other thing is the seals. So as you gain seals, you make your workers better. You also start off with three cards that are just basically objectives. And when you accomplish one of your workers getting the seals on the card, you get this benefit, which leads into that combo stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you do it and then you get to do this thing, which allows you to give, give you that, which allows you to flip it and put it on your board. And now you get this other thing. So those seals are, I think, very important because it allows you to take the more lucrative actions. Yeah. I think the seals are what makes the game unique. You know, I'm like, oh, there's really not a lot of unique um, things about this game. But the seals do make it unique because now your workers are specialized and they, and they can do a lot more. You don't have better. They can their, their actions are now better because of that. Yep. I think that's a unique part of the game. So you want to get those seals in there right away. And there's lots of different ways. Like you can go to the seal spot and just buy them. Cool. But there's also a lot of bonus ways you can get them. So it's just one of those things that you you basically like you kind of do these four things and you can either go to the four spots or you can find other various ways to do it by unlocking things on your board or going on the exploration track. Like just all kinds of various ways to do the kind of the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I think those seals are important. And that was my second thing that I was trying to do is get as many of those as I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets you a lot of end game scoring, a lot of end game points. Yeah, because you can if you max out each track that's 10 points per track you can get which is you know 30 points in this game is a lot of points oh yeah i think off my player board i scored like 47 or something so there's achievements in the game and when you accomplish those you put them on the top part of your player board unlocking like powers or and points and stuff and i was able to accomplish a decent amount of those which gave me a a decent amount of points too but yeah overall i think the game is very very good it's well done. It's beautiful. It's 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 well produced. Um, there's a lot of variety in the game, but it is very heavy, and I would say it's pretty dry. It it it's really gonna be like, the, if you like this style of game, you'll like this game. If you don't want a super heavy game, then you're not gonna like this game, despite its theme. Like the theme is not enough to make. If you're not interested in heavy euros, the theme is not gonna bring you there. Agreed. Yeah, the theme the theme could be anything. You know, we say that a lot about these dry euros, but realistically, the the artwork and the components and everything goes a long way towards like putting it all together, making but, it not feel very dry. But it's still like at its heart is it, it is yeah. It's a bunch of mechanisms in a box, which isn't bad. I mean, I like mechanisms in a box. Yeah, I like games that challenge me, like. I I want to play this game again because I want to try something different. I want a different strategy. I want to do better than I did last time. Like this game like calls me back to it. Therefore, I like the game. Yeah, I I agree. What are you going to rate it? I'm giving it an 8. I really like it. Um the, the theme didn't come across for as much for me as I would have liked, but I loved the artwork and the production. I thought was really beautiful. I thought the mechanics were interesting. It was easy enough to learn. It wasn't too complicated, but but it keeps calling me back. Like I'm thinking about it. I'm wanting to play it again. So I, I like it. Yeah, I'm going to come in at an eight as well with an asterisk on it that it could go up or down as I play it more. I want to play it more. I find myself, like you said, I, you know, thinking about how I could play differently. Like what strategy should I entail? Like there's so many cool things about this. The seals are interesting because then you can make your workers unique to do unique things. You can, you know, make them extremely powerful in one action. You can make them pretty decent at several actions. You know, putting out those lenses, 
you know, when you claim a spot, not only can you get the action, but when somebody else puts their work on it, you get money. So sometimes you want to put a lens out on a spot you know people are just going to keep going to, so you can just keep getting money. So there's there's a lot of cool things. I'm really interested in exploring some of the mini expansions that come in the Kickstarter box. It's one of those games that either as I play it more, I really want to see how I end up feeling about it. Because initially I like it and I want to go back to it and that deserves an eight. It deserves to have that score. It deserves to like, because I'm, I'm even talking about it. I was like, man, I really want to sit down and play it. I want to be able to like figure out a different strategy, do this thing, try something else, you know, um, see what works and what doesn't. Is, are seals that important? Can I get away with getting just a handful of seals? Do I want to just focus on doing this one track, trying different things, which I think makes a game good. Yeah. but. That said, there's just there's this weird feeling. It could like maybe I play it three or four more times and I'm like I'm good. I don't need to keep playing it. If I really wish the theme you, was. Stronger. If you figured out you if you've mastered it at, at any point where you're like I figured it out. I don't know though. I think there's so much variety in it, and I think you'd still want to keep playing it. It's just a matter of if you if it makes it to the table. Yes, that's gonna be the hard part. Is I don't think teaching this is nearly as intuitive as it could be. So that rule book is pretty. She thick, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, it has all the expansion content and stuff in there, too. Either way. All right, that's Darwin's Journey. I'll recommend it to you if you like heavy games. Um, if you like games that challenge you and, and make you think and you're willing to put the effort into learning it, I think it's a really good game. That's Darwin's Journey. All right, that's going to wrap up the games we are reviewing this week. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to be discussing the 17th Annual Golden Geek Awards. All right, welcome back. The Golden Geek 17th Annual Golden Geek Awards. So they have chosen their nominees for the 2022 games, and now you can go online and vote for them. They've got a few different categories here. So they've got two-player games, artwork, presentation. They've got cooperative game, best expansion, most innovative, light game of the year, medium game of the year, heavy game of the year, party game, print and play, solo, thematic, war game. Um, and then a few other best app and best podcast. So we won't talk about all the categories because that's a lot, but let's just go through them here. Two-player game. Have you played any of the two-player games, Bob? The funny thing is, looking at this list, uh, not really. There are games on here that I want to play, but like, I just haven't. You play a lot of two-player games. Like This should be something you do, but I'm surprised you don't. The funny thing is, I actually don't play a lot of just strictly two-player games. It's a lot of games just at two player mm-hmm. so even like beer and bread has always kind of interest me you know even like dice thrones one of those games that i think would be cool but the problem is the person mm-hmm. i'm playing it with is the same thing when we discuss summoner wars i'm just not going to get the full experience no ashley isn't interested in undaunted she isn't interested in you know marvel dice throne or boop or whatever i've heard beer and bread is really good i haven't played it but we do have friends that really like that one yeah. I have played Splendor Duel, and I liked that one quite a bit. It's it's a better version of Splendor. comes in a nice small box. All right, so if you had to pick uh, the two-player game of, of the year, which one are you picking? Splendor Duel, but that's only because that's the only one I've played. <laughs> <laughs> Splendor Duel, I, you win because by default, I guess. <laughs> I would. I, I want to play Caper Europe, and I want to play Bread and 
beer and bread. That would be the only ones I'd play. The rest of them I don't think I'd really play. Wingspan Asia maybe, but I have Wingspan. I, I'm not really interested in the two-player version. Yeah, at this point with the Wingspan thing, like I talked about, you know, in Earth, I'd rather just play Earth. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, artwork and presentation. What do we got here? Like we got where, really where, good where, ones here. Yeah, really good ones. Yes. Ooh, how to narrow this down? Because you got Korra Quest, first of all, I talked about this briefly in our uh, reviews, but this game, so Dan Hughes and Korra, uh, they 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 made this dungeon crawl and it's like this child art, mm-hmm. you know, it's inspired and in like, I think Korra drew it, I want to say. They, get, they had tons of kids contribute to the art and then they had an artist take it and um, like make it professional art, but they took the kids art and they they kind of like made it professional looking. It's really, really cool looking. It is super cool. Yes. I mean, and then you have Creature Comforts is really good. Endless that's Winters, a, your buddy, the Miko. Creature right? Comforts looks great. Like that's a really good looking kid, uh, family game, not kids game. Family game, uh, light or, you know, light Euro, I guess you could say. It's a really good, it'd be a game that anybody could play, I think. And because it just looks so gorgeous. The art's gorgeous. I believe this is that was done by Kid Table Board Games, I believe is the um publisher and all their games have that same kind of cool artwork. Yeah. Endless Winter, you know, I love the Miko. He's like my favorite artist of all time. So I mean, that's just it's just this white background. It's just gorgeous with D'Amico's artwork. I think that one's gonna win. Well, I don't know. Wonderland's war. Okay. That's what I'm saying. The there's so many good there's so many good ones. Flamecraft? Yep. I do want to take a second and call out Foundations of Rome. And the only reason Foundations of Rome is in here is because it says artwork and presentation. If if it was just artwork, I don't think Foundations of Rome would be in here because the artwork in that's pretty minimal. It's not great. Presentation-wise, yeah, like, it's yeah, pretty it's bad. Cool, it's pretty plain. Like, it's functional. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that... I mean, it looks cool on the table presence. Yes. I think that production is... Too much. I would not vote for that one. It's yeah. too much. It, it, I think it's a drawback to the game. Although it is fun to play. He is beautiful artwork. It looks yeah. really good. Vincent Dutre. Yeah, so good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Blood on the Clock Tower. I haven't played it, but the, just looking at the artwork, it looks cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these are good, except for Foundations of Rome. But yeah. Wonderland's War. That's it's just gorgeous. One of the best art. That one might win. It, ah, that, I bet that one's going to win. Who are you going to pick? I think Wonderland's War. Ooh, yeah. I'm not going to. I will say. I like the board. I like the colorful. Like, it's super bright. But I love the art in Endless Winter. And they're both very good. I am going. I'm, man. You know what I'm going to I'm gonna say? Korra Quest. I really, there's just something about all that artwork that just makes me smile. It's so unique. Yeah. And I. the thing is, I love the Miko. I love Everdell, like the complete collection. Like Everdell is amazing. Although I think that's kind of, I got to call, like, come on. Because I'm pretty I, sure yeah. they won like years ago. Um, well, it's the complete collection. So it's the whole, the big box, which I mean, to me, like, on. I'm not interested in a giant box because I think it's too big. But Well, and you're not supposed to, uh, a person or a game that has already won in the category can't win again. So this is like a workaround almost. So I'm going to like, come on. But sure, all the artwork is great. There's just something about Korra Quest. I'm going Korra Quest. Um, that's what I'm going to go with. Because like I said, looking at it, it just makes me smile. I love seeing that artwork. Everything on any one of these ones can win. And I'd be like, yes, that makes sense. 
except you know, for foundations cycle. of Rome. Burn cycles on co-op, the cooperative list, and that really could have been up there the, with the artwork and presentation. That one's really good looking. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of games on here I haven't even played as the cooperative, which kind of kind of yeah, gets you need me. to get like, on that. I know, uh, right? What am I doing here? Cooperative like, games, like you need to fill that. One. We played Decorum. That one was fine. Yeah, um, it just it wasn't much of a game, you know. It just. Because it was like, okay, let's both fulfill our thing of making sure we have plants in our living room. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't... it was okay. Maybe yeah. we had, I, I'd be open to playing it again. I think we just played it to the two of us. So um, it maybe four players better. I don't know. It was fine. I will say, looking at this list, I'm a little frustrated at myself because there's a lot of games on here that I own that I have not yet played. <laughs> and it just ma- it makes me want to, oh, I need a, just a whole we weekend played... of nothing playing. Star Wars Clone Wars, that one's probably going to get my vote. I liked that one quite a bit. I was surprised how much I liked that one. Although, I really liked Paint the Roses. You will not like it. You don't have to play it. Uh, That is a deduction game, but you're working together as a team, which I think is super cool. Listen, I've seen you guys play it, and I'm cool. I'm good. I'm. I'll stay out of that. You. You do you. I'll do me. I'll play something else. I but. enjoyed it, but it's not a game I'm gonna like come back to very often. You know, I'm. I'm good. I'm glad I liked it, and I'm good. You know, kind of that that thing. So yeah, I think I have to go with Star Wars: The Clone Wars. All right. So I honesty time from Bob. Let me. Okay, these are the games I own and I have yet to play, but I want to. <laughs> Burn Cycle, Cora Quest. Van ISS Vanguard, yeah, and Vagrant Song. So there are four games on here that I've I own that I have yet to play because they just haven't hit the table, which is frustrating. I'm giving it to Return to Dark Tower. I love that game. The more and more I play it, the more and more I love it. Uh, Star Wars Clone Wars is really good though too, and it's not the when we did our review of it, it's not like they just slapped the theme on there and was just like trying to sell it, you know, a quick sell. Mm-hmm. It it it's legit, so I can see that winning too. But I think it's going to be one of the big ones. Honestly, it's going to be like ISS Vanguard, Burn Cycle, Frostpunk, something like that. I bet you wins. Oh Sworn, I've seen a lot of people really like Oh Sworn. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm saying Return to Dark Tower. I really love that game. So all right, expansions. I've played a few of these. Um, Dune Imperium Immortality and Dune Imperium Rise of Ix. Um, that's all I've played. I'm not a big expansion person. Yeah, looking at this list, there I think we've done Dune. Uh, man, Star Wars Outer Rim Unfinished Business. Uh, our buddy picked that up, and we just haven't gotten it. You know, funny enough, the Viticulture World Cooperative expansion. I have zero. I have zero like interest in it. If I was gonna play a cooperative game from this list, that would be the one I'd want to play. Because I like, I I like, I've said this before, like, I it's not that I don't like cooperative games. It's more that I don't like a lot of the style of cooperative games. So I don't like a lot of, like, battle games, like, we're working together to, like, complete, like, a, a specific task. You know, like, I just don't like that style. I like different ones. So this is very Euro-y. I think there's a little bit more. I don't know. I think I'd be interested in this one. Have you played the Red Cathedral expansion? I have not. Oh, okay. I don't think so. I well, played if Red you Cathedral. Did, a it's obviously times. it's obviously like memorable. Well, did. I played it a couple times. I can't think of what was in the expansion, what was different about it, so I don't think I did. 
The problem with some of these, like Everdell New Leaf, there's just so many expansion, so much expansion content for Everdell that almost feels bloated. And like me- like Meadow Downstream, I guarantee you, Meadow Downstream is probably gonna win it, or either either Dunes might win it, but something like Meadow, it's just so loved that that's probably gonna be the one that wins. And we, you and I both, did not enjoy Meadow as much as we thought we were going to. It was yeah. very flat for us, so you know. All right. Innovative. We've played Cat in the Box Deluxe Edition. Uh, that's kind of a stretch to say it's innovative. It's 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 different, but it's I don't I don't know that I would call it innovative. I would say so. I mean it it takes the concept of trick taking and just kind of turns it on its head. It it Cat in the Box feels like what the crew did, just not as popular. The crew is just beloved by a lot of I people. I think the crew is way better than Cat in the Box. Yes. I, I like Cat in the Box, but I love the crew. The crew it, is innovative. A, a tr- cooperative trick-taking game? Yeah. I don't know. I think Cat in the Box actually is a lot more creative and innovative than you might be giving it credit for, honestly. I think it does some really cool stuff with just you don't pick. You have to do it. It, it, it does that thing where people think about it and they're like, oh, and then it kind of then it clicks for them, you know? Mm-hmm. The one I don't think is innovative is Planet Unknown, honestly. Yeah, like that I doesn't love, seem... we love Planet Unknown. We love that game, but it's just a lazy Susan that makes it innovative. I mean, it's cool Yeah, that it's all in that container so you don't have to, like, restack it every time, and it spins, and it's it, it's it, it works really, really good. But y- you could do it without that. And be, it'd be the same game. You could just you could just like have columns, and then you know you I don't know it would it, it, you need that lazy Susan though. It works really good with a lazy Susan, so maybe it is. Yeah, you could make you could you could make the argument. Yes, you can make the, the argument. The game mechanics lazy. and the gameplay is um is is not that innovative. It's good. I we love we love it. You know. But. Yeah, it just it's not the it doesn't have that innovative feel. Because, and like you said, it's the lazy Susan is what's doing it. But you could do that same kind of drawing of tiles concept differently. I don't know how, but I'm not a game designer, people. So don't come at me like that. Um, I don't know how you would change it, but I imagine you could change it. So return to Dark Tower. I think the only reason why that's on there is the the actual tower and the app assisted part of it. Yeah, although that tower is pretty cool. Touring machine, get that out of here. That's innovative. That's unique and different, and it's got this whole puzzle system to it. I don't know how they figured it out. I'm sure it's a computer program, but it works. It's It's not even a game. It's not a game. It's an activity. Yeah. I don't know. I'm leaning towards Planet Unknown because I don't think the game would be... You couldn't really do it another way. Okay, heat pedal to the metal... I don't know that that's innovative. Yeah, it's I was just nice looking at that. It's nice that it's a fast-moving racing game. Yeah. You know, and it's it's got some really simple card play. Um, but when you're changing gears, then you're using the cards. I know it it takes the like slipstream system from Flamme Rouge in that. I don't know if I would necessarily go so far as to say it is indeed innovative. I would say Planet Unknown is more innovative than Yeah. My vote is going to go towards Turing Machine. That's stupid. I'm going to say Planet Unknown based solely on... (laughs) No, you know what? I'm going to say Cat in the Box. I'm going to say Cat in the Box for innovative. I think it it is innovative. I think it's more innovative than um, 
what you specifically give it credit for. Sure. Sure. So, sure, sure. All right. Light game of the year. Agropolis. Yes, for sure. I really like that one. Cat in the Box. Yep. I like that one, too. Let's see. Foundations of Rome. The game is fine. Sure. Um, Long Shot the Dice Game. I do like that one. Haven't played it. Don't <gasps> plan to. It's a it's, rolling right. I'm good. It's a rolling right, but it's a racing game. Where you're betting on the horses. I think you'd like it of all the rolling rights. It's fast. It plays really good up to a lot of people. Sure. Next station, London. Oh, I really like this rolling right. Very puzzly. You've got uh, everyone has a colored pencil. So let's say I'm in the blue line. I'm drawing out the blue line. Bob's got pink. Somebody else got green. And then at the end of the round, I'm gonna stop you right there. I would not be having any sort of colored pencil in this game, but continue. You have to. You have to. It's. I it's would, part wouldn't of the be game. playing, is what I'm saying. You didn't pick up on the joke. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> then you take the colored pencil and you pass it to the next person. So now you're working on the next colored line. And it is, as the game moves along, your your choices are a little bit more limited because you can't cross subway lines. You know, they, otherwise they'd crash. So I, I really like it. It's a nice little small uh, roll and write. Ready, set, bet. You haven't played that one either, Bob. This Bro. one's this one's so good. This one's probably gonna get the win. It's just it's just so fun. I need to play Ready, Set, Bet like you wouldn't believe. We mm-hmm. almost did the other a few weeks ago at board game night. One of the uh, employees said that he had brought his copy for us to play. We're like sweet, but there was another game we were gonna play, and that other game took pretty much the entire time we were there. So it was like, I need to play this. It's just fun. You're just you're just betting as fast as you can on the horses. Be you know you want to bet. You got to be the first one there because only one spot per. You know only one person go to each spot, but you don't want to bet too early because the race can change. It's completely luck of the draw the the roll. You know, but yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Splendor Mm -hmm. Duel is good. Trekking through history. I haven't played that one. I'm interested in it. I liked the other trekking game that I played, and they're very light. You know, they're like big box light games, you know, kind of like Ticket to Ride kind of in that category. They're pretty good. I think they're um, almost uh, lighter than that. So I did trekking. Yeah. I have trekking through the world. And although mm-hmm. I have heard trekking through histories, it's a much improved system. I liked yeah. that one game because of the artwork. But overall, the gameplay was very, for me, it was a little too basic. Yeah, I agree. I play it with my family. Um, I actually have my mother-in-law to play it, which was unique and and nice, but yeah, it's it's a little too simple for me. But it's a nice it's a nice family weight game in a big box, and it, it feels well produced and beautiful artwork. And yeah. I'm sure trekking through history is just as good. Um, but I think I'm gonna I like a lot of these games. I like a lot of light games. They're easy to play. Um, I I think Ready Set Bet is, is the funnest for me. I'm gonna say Foundations of Rome. I'm gonna take Foundations of Rome. It's not just because light. I haven't it's played. I think. It, <laughs> physically <laughs> hard to get off the shelf <laughs> yeah salty about yeah. that you need to go to the gym more it <laughs> um it the thing is i 100 percent i think ready set bet wins this hands down landslide victory but you got to give it up to some of these other games there's a lot of good games in this category there's a lot yeah. of good games acropolis is really good cat in the box i think is good foundations of rome is good uh, yeah. I've heard good things about Rear Window. It's not necessarily a style of game I'm going to play, um, just because it's that, you know, Hitchcock film. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say Foundations of Rome, but it's gonna be Ready Set Bet for sure. I want to play all the rest of them that we haven't played on this list because I'll probably like them all. All right, Medium Game of the Year. Hmm, Flamecraft. That's yep. a good one. I like that one. 
I'm out. Okay. The Guild. Of- you don't like Flamecraft? It's fine. I think it's a good medium weight game. Yeah. The Guild of Merchant it- Explorers. I really liked that one. Yes. Yeah. Heat pedal to the metal. I enjoyed it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Libertalia Winds of Galcrest. I liked that one. It was. I liked fine. that one better than the original. I think it's better. Why do you uh, like it better? What about it makes it better? The art and then the fixing the initi- the initiative track makes it better. Fair enough. Yeah, it, it's it's a fun game. I don't know that I'd play it a ton. You know, it's just the randomness of it. It's a little long for how random it is, but I overall I enjoy the chaos of of the game. Yep. Mosaic, a story of civilization. I mean, I'm. It is, I, I guess that. it is medium, but it, man, that one feels heavy. But it plays. Yeah, it's pretty simple. You can do about ten different things on your turn, but they're all pretty simple. Yeah, there's ten actions. That's the only big thing is you have to pick one of the ten actions. Yep. Uh oh, Planet mm-hmm. Unknown. There Keeping we go. It, yeah, Planet Unknown. Ah, oh, that one's so good. That one's got to be the best. But Wonderland's War is really good too. I think. For Man, me, so it's got to go to Planet Unknown because, just because it's easier to get out and play than Wonderland's War. Wonderland's War is just a little too long, which makes it it's just not going to get played as much. But I mean, I love the push your luck bag building. Yeah, I'm trying to think because like, I'm going to get scolded for changing up my games of the year of 2022. Like Planet Unknown, I should say Planet Unknown. But since you said it, I think hmm, I'm going to say Mosaic or Wonderland's War. Yeah. Mm, I think Wonderland's War. I think I'm going to pick Wonderland's War. I think it's interesting. Yeah. So, I'm going I'm going to go with Wonderland's War, although I if I if you didn't pick Planet Unknown, I would say Planet Unknown just cuz of we, how much I love that game. And I should say I'm skipping quite a few on this list, the ones we haven't played. We're I'm just l- rattling off the ones we have played cuz there's a few quite a few in here that we haven't played. Yep. All right, here we go. Here we go. This is this uh, is, is going to be hard, Bob, huh? <laughs> this is my list. Uh the heavy make, game of the year. Don't make me choose. Uh, there's, I haven't played them all. We no. have not played them. Um, let's see. Endless Winter, Paleo yep. Americans. That's going to be high up there. Yep. Great Western Trail, Argentina. Bob, you like that one, right? I do indeed. Yep. Does that one beat out the original Great Western Trail for you? No. Not okay. yet. Not yet. No. I'm going to say no. Okay. Marrakesh, that's on my list. I haven't played that yet. Revive, we liked the Revive a lot. I really I really enjoyed Revive. Yep, 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 yep. Uh Toledum. We haven't played that one. That one we mm-hmm. should play. Wayfarers of the South Tigris. Man, I like that one a lot. It's really solid. Yeah. Yep. Weather Machine, I do want to play. That's on my list to play yet. The problem is it's a Vitell Acerta game, so you need to A have somebody who bought the, you know, spent $150 on the game, and then you have <laughs> to spend two hours learning it, you know? Yeah. Before you spend four hours playing it. <laughs> so that's yeah, a, that's my, a thing. I, I might not ever get played. That, that, it's likely it won't happen. Unless yeah. I can find somebody at a con to teach it to me. But but I don't want to learn from somebody who's really good at it either. Like I want to play it with somebody who's like playing it for the first time. So unlikely to get played. That's hard to do. That is mm-hmm. hard to do. And Woodcraft. Oh, I oh love man. Woodcraft. I loved Woodcraft. I liked these a lot games. of these games. Yeah. Great Western Trail, Argentina, man. I gotta. I need to play that more. I really enjoy that. Endless Winter is good. Revive is good. Revive is up there for me. Wayfarers is up there. Endless Winter, Woodcraft. All four of those are my favorites here. I'm probably going to go with Wayfarers of the South Tigris is my favorite. Only because you own it. I do own it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. 
how do you choose? It's like it's like saying, you know, you love one child more than the other. Yeah. I oh man, if I had to pick one, I'm going to say I'm going to say Endless Winter. Yeah. I'm going to say Endless Winter. I I really like Great Western Trail Argentina. Um I haven't reviewed it yet cuz I'm trying to get Natasha to play it, which she won't, but I'll play it. I'll play it. Let's do it. It does some interesting things. There are a couple nuances and I just I just like Endless Winter. It gives me it just yeah, it goes very well, but I mean, you could interchange Great Western Trail, Revive, or Woodcraft. All four of those for me are really good. Mm-hmm. I like them too. All right, party games. Let's see. There's a lot we haven't played. Fun facts we played. Yep. Have you played Green Team Wins? No, I'm I. Not. I don't. I I thought it was fine, completely fine. Um, but I didn't love it. Uh, Long Shot the Dice Game. You haven't played that one either, and you haven't played nope. Ready Set Bet. Nope. Fun Facts is the only one you've played on here. Uh, yep. So I'm like, not gonna I'm not gonna weigh into this that much. I don't think. I think Fun Facts is a lot of fun. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think it'd be a good activity to play with, like uh, like a coworker, like get together. I think it'd be really fun, like to get to know the people at the table and stuff. Like it's yeah. it's not my favorite party game, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, yeah. I have to give it to Ready Set Bet. I know. I, I mean, have clearly that Ready Set Bet's going to win a lot. I think it's funny that it's not on artwork. <laughs> it's so ugly. They need it to reprint this game and make it beautiful and make it like a neoprene mat and like poker chips. It's kind of like cardboard tokens that you're like throwing out on the table. Uh, yeah. I think they'll do that though because it's so popular. Yeah, we are going to be skipping over print and play and solo games. Yeah, and war games. I'm not going to do war games either. We'll probably we'll probably not talk about best podcasts since, you know, we're not on there. There are some good <laughs> ones on here though. There's yeah. a bunch of good ones on here. Yeah. Anyway. Let's do last one here is thematic games. Oh, heat pedal to the metal feels very thematic. I will give it that. Uh, I have not played any of these. Votes for women, I'd like to play that one. Um Wonderland's War you've played, Return, Return of Dark Tower, Nemesis. Ooh. I am going to go ahead and throw out right now Nemesis Lockdown. I think that is that is a thematic game. Every time I play it, I feel like I'm playing Aliens. And every time one of those aliens pops out, freaks me out, gets me all concerned because they're hard to kill. Yeah, I'm going to say Nemesis for me. Mm-hmm. So for me, it'd be between Heat, Petals of the Metal, and Wonderland's War, mostly because those are the only two games on this list that I played. <laughs> <laughs> But I it comes do down agree. to the two I played. <laughs> <laughs> but I do agree that they're both very thematic. Uh, I think I have to go with Heat, though, just because, although I like Wonderland's War better, I think, just obviously, it is a racing game, and it feels like you're playing a racing game. So there you go. Yeah. So those are our thoughts about the 17th annual Golden Geek Awards. You know, there was a lot of good games last year, that's for sure. Yeah, some of them are... Yeah, the heavy games are was a lot harder of a pick than I would have expected. And the artwork and presentation, like, gosh, yeah. games are so much, they're so good now. Like, throw out all those garbage games from, like, pre-2015, uh, they're all just ugly, you know? Now you can have all these beautiful games. Yeah, they're, they've really stepped up their game. And then you have games that come out, like, Ready, Set, Bet, and you're like, what are you doing? What are yeah, you doing? Yeah, it's still popular because really, you know, the mechanics matter more than the artwork. Facts. 
All right, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to Our Shenanigans. Join us next week. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, send us your questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.